Space cave. Got a little rain going on outside. Nice rainy kind of sound. We're all cozied in inside here. In fact, it's so cozy we can probably get rid of the rain. There we go. How are you? A big warg to all of you. It's uh, Christmas week, which can be a lonely time for some of you. If you're with friends and family, hopefully it's a great week, and uh, maybe so much went by that you're just now listening to this after the fact. However, if maybe it's a, a bummer of a time or you feel lonely, come on into the space cave. Hang out. You got a lot of friends in here who care about you. And if you'd like to chat, get in touch. I'm happy to chat with you. We'll probably, uh, for next week, just do... Uh, a, an episode where I'm just kind of shooting the breeze. So be on the lookout for that. I'll uh, I'll do a tweet or something. But it'd be nice to catch up with some of you. And not specifically only because you're uh, feeling down or whatnot. But if you are, get in touch. Let's chat. These they, they make too much of this time of year. It's not that big of a deal. If you're feeling alone, it's just one of the years. It'll It'll be different. Better, worse, who knows. It'll just be different going forward that I can assure you. Um, I hope you hopefully you're uh, you had are having are enjoying uh, the winter and the holidays, etc. Um, an update on Dan um, and his wife. Uh, she's she had surgery, and we're waiting to hear more. I don't want to share too much, and I don't know how much Dan wants that to be a part of the show. But he's part of our group. We care about him, and we care about her as well. So, um, Ashley, I hope you're doing well, and um, hopefully getting back some good news soon on that. Um, and yeah, this this episode put together without Dan, which feels really weird. We're a team. We've been doing this for over 200 episodes, and now uh, having to having to go without for a little bit. Happy to do so while he uh, has more, much more important things to do. So, uh, if this sounds not as good. Now you know why. So uh, if you if you didn't already, you can reach out to Dan on Twitter, Dan from Orange. Just say hello. Let him know you're thinking about him. He's a good dude. And um, okay, before we get into part two of the chat, just a reminder, the Junk Show is always the second Sunday of every month. The next one's January 12th. Music, magic, and animation, and all kinds of fun stuff. It's usually a very good time. So if you're in Los Angeles, coming out and say hello. And then January 26th, I will be at the Dynasty Typewriter filming the show. I'll have my hair cut, fancy suit. There'll be some surprise guests from film and television that you get to see. So hopefully you'll uh, come and support that and be a part of it. I really need there to be a crowd for that um, as part of the whole concept overall, not just because not a lot of people shoot uh, comedy films with uh, like a smattering of a crowd. I'll do it. But I'd prefer if it, it felt warm and cozy and full in there. So you can get tickets at davidhuntsberger.com as well as Dynasty Typewriter. It's January 26th, which is a Sunday. Okay. You're here because you liked part one. Hopefully. I did as well. Glad we got this put together. Thanks again to Dylan Gonzalez in Nashville and his wife Jessica. I believe their GoFundMe is still up this time of year. can be tough on everybody. He's uh, contributed a bunch to the show, suggesting guests and other things. He's put the the band and other bands, I'm assuming, up in their home uh, while they're touring. He's a big supporter of the arts. And so if you got a little extra, maybe you got a bonus or something, Clark Griswold style, 
wouldn't hurt to spread it around. And I know Dylan and Jessica would be more than thankful. Uh, and if you like part one of this chat is almost solely because Dylan reached out and uh, put me and Andrew in contact. And I thought it was a, a really, really enjoyable conversation. I hope you did as well. Here's part two with the Lonely Wilds and Lodge 49, unfortunately, I guess is not moving forward with a different network, which is a shame. I haven't checked it out yet, but Lodge 49s as well as the Lonely Wilds. And check out Lodge 49. I, I keep I say that to you and then I haven't done it, but I'd like to. And I hope he gets uh, to make music for some other stuff. I went back and listened to uh, their albums between the last chat and this one. And uh, it's just great. If you haven't already... Check out The Lonely Wild. I think you'll really like it. Okay, here's part two with Andrew Carey. You're just talking about adult problems, not rocker problems necessarily. <laughs> Very <laughs> unsexy get... problems. It's good to have a variety, though. I think sometimes people, like, their life only goes one way, and that, that's just it. For, and it can seem from the outside amazing, you know? But there, maybe there's not so much growth there. There's not a lot of introspection or looking at things through a different way. Like you were saying, like, becoming a parent, suddenly you're looking at things like much differently sure i remember a dave grohl interview where he was talking about like those two worlds seeming to be uh no in no way like reconcilable and then he neil young invited a, a bunch of bands to uh, um some big festival or party that he does at his ranch or something like that okay. and he said when they got there all these tour buses showed up and then all these families got off kids and everything involved and it was he was like oh it can be done you can do this <laughs> And I, th I think that's really cool where, you know, you, you, you can, I used to have this preconceived thought that, well, if I'm thinking about stuff like my taxes or paying these bills, that's not like an artist's lifestyle. <laughs> 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 I got to stay, keep my head way up in the clouds. And yeah. it was like you get tricked into that. You should be spacey or flighty or something and not be tethered in some way. But I think you can do all of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably spacier than I should be <laughs> when it comes to like things like taxes and buying a house. My wife has to kind of keep me on task a little bit. But. <laughs> Do you think that's just a genetic thing or we kind of left off the last talk and I was thinking about uh, things that are just kind of written in. Like, sure. you know, where does inspiration come from? How do you, where does a song come from? Do you go like, it's just always been there, this thing, or do you, do you have to work at it and go like, all right, remember, pay your taxes <laughs> in the same way that you're like, all right, Tomorrow we're writing a song, or do they both just kind of spark, show up in your head? Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah taxes. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Kids definitely make you have to uh, be an adult faster, I guess, or, or <laughs> more seriously. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing? Do you think like you're doing well at it? If you had to grade yourself, you're like, I wasn't uh, sure how I did. <laughs> <laughs> the parenting part, yeah, yeah. Mm. And yeah, I've actually been a, a stay-at-home dad now. Cool. So when I was, when I'm, it kind of coincided with my daughter was born. Um, my wife was on maternity leave while I was working on the last season of Lodge 49. Mm -hmm. And then right when I finished, she had to go back to work. So now I'm home. And when I'm working on projects, it's, you learn how to economize your time very well. It's like I you, bet. It's all naps, late nights, and weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I scored two movies being a stay-at-home dad. So <laughs> That's so different because that kind of ties into what we were talking about of I'm in this plaster factory, but I'm a sculptor. And then these things show up, these lumps of clay, and I got to whip them into a dolphin and move on. And then you get your time to like go home and really do your own sculpting. And, you know, there's a settling in. There's, I'll get my tea ready. I'll kind of stretch. Maybe I'll clean something. I'll watch a little bit of TV or a, a YouTube video. Get myself in the right space. Now I'm sculpting. But when you're like, okay, kids are asleep. Here we go. Let's go. Yeah, no, you have to be on. Like when you have little to no free, especially when they're really little, you have no free time. Mm -hmm. you, you're basically giving up your personal <laughs> life and your personal freedom <laughs> entirely. So, yeah, it's those moments like, okay, she's asleep. I have hour and a half, maybe. And that's the worst, though, when you're like, I have like a little camera on my computer, so I'm working on something, and I see her moving. I'm like, shit, no, I'm <laughs> right in the middle of this. Damn it. Do you have a patch-in, uh, like, audio-wise as well, so that you, because, you know, if you got your headphones on, and she's crying. I just had to kind of glance still. up. I was like, I hope she hasn't been moving around for too long. <laughs> that could be a kind of a scary thought, but also really impressive that you can direct all of your mental energy to like focus just on this task at hand. My friend and I always used to joke and kind of, we watched a lot of Magnum PI <laughs> and he'd be running, you know, from a dog or from a bad guy and he'd get to his car, 
or he'd get to a fence or something, but he had the key to it. And then he would go, don't look at the dog, just work on the key, just relax, just get the key in the lock, there we go. And then he'd, he'd always make it. Talk himself he, through it. Talk himself <laughs> through it, just focus on what you're doing. So much of life is that feeling that we're running to or from something and so busy looking at it or trying to pretend that it's not there that we don't focus right on the task at hand. Yeah, yeah. And so for you to be able to like zoom in the room, like, here we go. Once the door closes, we are at work. We're not screwing around. We're not like surfing the internet. Yeah, no, you have to be laser focused if you want to get anything done Mm -hmm. and then the things that come to you do you have like a stack of ideas that you're hoping to get to just per just on your own of like personal songs and whatnot yeah 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 definitely and that's (laughs) that's the that's the hard part too because i think we we talked about you know a song sitting on the shelf by the time you record it it's like i had this idea it's like shit i I have no time to and i'm working on this other film right now so by the time it's like oh yeah i have Mm -hmm. this weekend i can go work on this song yeah Am I really into this one anymore? I don't know. This kind of sucks. Then you just kind of lose <laughs> steam on it. Whereas, uh, yeah. it, you know, if you had that initial inspiration, it could have gone any number of directions and you could have still been excited about it. But Yeah, that makes... I mean, that, it's funny how so many things, when you bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have that with stand-up a little bit. I, it, did you have this when... So you're young. It, it's such a pipe dream, the idea of doing it. Yeah. I, all through, like, high school and college, I just wrote and wrote and wrote ideas. Just constant receipts with stuff scribbled on the back and then a little notebook and then eventually like um legal pads just full of ideas yeah. but it would that would i started creating kind of that hierarchy because it had to go kind of from receipt to little book to then the bigger one so i would be able to feather out some of the stuff or filter out some of the stuff because if i didn't it was just way too much stuff but Early on, I was so excited to just write all of it. Just everything. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is good. That's good. That's. Then you start seeing other stuff. Maybe you see someone else do it, or you see yourself do it and go, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so then it started to become, I almost don't write stuff now, and no ideas really hang out that much. But when they do, and it won't go away, I'm like, all right, I should do something, because it's, it's made it through all those. I couldn't bring myself to not write it down, and I can't bring myself, or I can't make myself stop thinking about it is that kind of how it is? Like, do you have a hierarchy where, okay, when the kids are asleep, I'm working on this now because I, I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I'll do little phone recordings too. Like, well, I'll play my guitar for my kids and stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. But my little girl, she's sitting there and like, oh, I have this idea. I'll, I'll be like kind of playing to her and then like, oh, yeah, I kind of like that. What's going on there? Okay. <laughs> and I like start recording and then she'll be in the background. <laughs> and listening to it later. Like, okay, yeah, I, I can hear this. But for me, a lot, when it comes to writing songs, a lot of it is if the words just spill out, I'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. But when I have to go back and like the, I'm like fighting to write, words are just the hardest part because yeah. it's always terrible. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, so when you're trying to, when you're going back and like thinking about it, um, I remember uh, there's a great book called Songwriters on Songwriting, um, and it's this I forget the author's name now, but he. Um, interviewed amazing songwriters over the course of like decades so mm-hmm. like he has you know paul mccartney paul simon neil young leonard cohen um just random people throughout all the years and to to see all these different perspectives of how people write it was interesting i, I read neil young's right next to leonard cohen's and neil young w- was kind of like as soon as i start thinking about it i stop huh it's like but if it comes to me wherever i am if i'm driving down the road i'll pull over I have a guitar in the back of my car all the time, and I'll just start. I'll start going. And as soon as I start thinking about it, <laughs> it's over. And then to read Leonard Cohen, who you know has his songs have like seven verses, and he's like, "For every verse you hear, I have written twenty. Songwriting <laughs> is hard, hard work." <laughs> and it's like, okay, I think I fall a little bit more into the Neil Young category because when I think about it too much, I just start to hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're just trying to say something rather than letting this kind of subconscious truths that you might not even know yourself come out you yeah. know did you ever do any wake up and start writing right away even mm-hmm. whether it's just and it starts to feel like a dream journal you yeah for a few days but if you go back and look at it you can't it's like someone else wrote it yeah and that's a fun feeling that our brain is in there like this little playground and then we the world itself gets so structured and it's so real and rigid that we lose sight of that and then i think being around children or having kids it hopefully like opens that up again yeah i mean it it does both i think it kind of like inspires this 
you see all the beautiful and wonderful things in the world and you get excited, then you also realize how awful and terrible the world is. And so all the rigid yeah. stuff closes in on you too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, right, because you're getting ready to send them into this yeah, thing. Like, of like... And you're just like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope it's all still here by the time you're my age. Oh. <laughs> yeah, when I was a teacher or a substitute teacher for a lot, but I'd get like long-term gigs and be around kids of all different ages. It was a mix of that because I could be angry at them in a way that you can't be angry at your own kid or maybe you can i don't know sure but i could i could <laughs> i could have disdain no. for the just the idea of children and then it, in the next moment i could see them do something that was so uniquely whimsical or childlike that i was like i think that's maybe what humanity is supposed to be sure and then we just get hardened into these things that are so boring and so regimented and unimaginative and i, I always think about that with grown men especially white dudes guys that get like i got my yeti cooler got my pickup truck if you say something so i don't have time for that they're just a very like i'm not imaginative and it's called toxic masculinity (laughs) (laughs) i was told not to cry when i was little Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't have a very serious person (laughs) yeah i'm picturing them like flying a kite or something and giggling is impossible yeah just doing something absurd and i think we need that i think when those ideas spill in, like, do you ever hear the toilet flushes in a certain way, or maybe the keys fall and they do like, a I'm sure you hear a, a pattern <laughs> rhythmic sort of, sure. oh, that was something. I'll hear stuff like that sometimes and then go, oh, Radiohead used that in a thing. <laughs> or this must have been where they got that little that idea. Yeah, that little idea thing. And then I just wonder, like, are we these vessels where stuff comes into it? I, are, you know, like you're saying, you don't sit down and think about it. You're just driving and it happens. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever been able to explain that? What is that? Where does that come from? Where inspiration comes from. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You just have to be able to, I, I guess, let yourself find the ways that you know how to open yourself up to it, mm-hmm. whether it be sobriety or drugs or whatever <laughs> whatever it might be or oh, yeah. go drive in your car or you know mm. or sit down and force yourself to write i don't know maybe that's how it works for some people but yeah because i remember having to work really wanting to work at it being in college or studied engineering so left brain i know people don't really believe in that like but there's something to that sure. where you're like everything is so structured i would take notes with my left hand and try to like keep this other part of my brain occupied but it just wasn't ha- i just wasn't creative and then after that um, it took a while, but I would stay up really late at night. I knew Gary Larson used to do that. And you kind of push yourself to these weird levels of loopiness. Mm-hmm. And then it does happen. And I wonder if if it's just a byproduct of those things. Some people walk around, get eight hours of sleep, wake up, and are absurd and creative. But I think other people, like, could you take someone who's very Yeti cooler, I'm doing this, <laughs> like, keep them awake for 36 hours and then just give them some paints and see what they did? <laughs> or give them some mushrooms and then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but fully just natural, fully just yeah. your own brain, not in any way influenced Enhanced. by. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I don't think if music it could let down that, you know, guard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, to just be. Have you ever seen the. There's a mushrooms thing where Mr. Mr. Ham, Mr. Pants or something like that. There's a guy who got mushrooms or acid or something and didn't know it. Or he's taking it and trying to pretend that he's not tripping. Uh-huh. So he's like, he's like in the closet. Like, look at you. Nah, not into it. What are you, a cactus man? Mr. Cactus? Nah, I'm oh, not buying it. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. He like goes, it's animated. So he turns into a frog at one point. It's oh, just yeah, really yeah, bizarre. Yeah. But the idea of someone refusing <laughs> <laughs> the imagination to come in. <laughs> hey, be quiet, buddy. Cobra's making a little noise over here. I think he's restless. Yeah. Ruining our dynamic this way. <laughs> <laughs> when you, do you think you could move far enough away from it that it wasn't, like, would you enjoy that? It, it, does it feel like a burden to have to write stuff, to have to have an outlet to be creative? If you're like, if I could, I could be so much more effective with my kids if I didn't get sidetracked by these melodies or these things. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think I would go crazy, you know, or, or get really depressed or something if I didn't have that outlet. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I think, people are just wired that way and maybe if you've been doing it long enough you know that this is like good for your soul or whatever you want to call it it's good for you know your mental health because if i'm not if i don't have a project for a certain amount of time i do start to get kind of depressed or like Mm kind of go stir crazy a little bit like i gotta do something yeah there's this guy jeff tice jeff you're listening hello buddy uh really funny dude very just and one of the nicest like genuinely nice people pleasant to be around 
uh, he's an artist, a really great artist, good, great Instagram page if you haven't uh, followed him, uh, Jeff with a G. But he, he goes, I was talking with him and he was like, I've, I realize like people that are, you know, have mood disorder or not disorders, but just that are, you know, sad or bummed out or a lot of the therapy they'll prescribe for them is doing something creative, drawing or coloring or, mm-hmm. and he goes, and now it makes sense why I'm always so pleasant. And I've always been like this because I've been <coughs> drawing for two hours every night since I was like 12 years old. <laughs> I was like, that's really a fascinating look it's at therapeutic. it. Yeah, yeah. Very therapeutic and effective. Especially if you're able to kind of shut off the uh, critical part of it and let yeah. yourself go it's like mm-hmm. it's just letting your mind kind of run that critical part that sucks because take you know if you're are you sitting there and you're playing a few chords and then you go oh what do you, you know this you, sounds like something else yeah. Right? yeah is it a mean voice that comes in you can't really quantify <laughs> it but there's something there that tells you like oh stop it or you know whatever yeah. those are what is that why does that happen yeah i don't know that the self I mean, sometimes it's good. You got to be able to check yourself and be like, "Oh no, that's not very good, man. Don't put that out into the world." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's good to to let it go mm-hmm. and then revisit and yeah. then be critical after the fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of maybe like a pitchwork pitchfork review or something where they will they'll sniff out if a band is so critical of everything around them that they made an album strictly trying to not do those things, mm-hmm. but what they made wasn't exactly you know, brilliant Anything or inspired. Yeah, yeah. It was just, Oh, it just wasn't those things, but it's also not good. Sure. Cause you do need that voice, I guess, in some way to say, Hey man, this is bad, <laughs> <laughs> but it can't dictate everything. And it, no. it can't be like the driving force. No, I feel uh, a lot of times I'll, uh, I'll give my t- myself the, the pot test. Mm-hmm. So I'll, you know, I'll write or do something and record a little something and then listen back to it later while high. <laughs> and be like, <laughs> Oh, that's bad. <laughs> that's what the self-critical thing goes. Or if I'm like, this is really cool. I just want to keep listening to this. Yeah. If it makes me feel good, uh-huh. you know, or, you know, that's <laughs> it can be hypercritical that way. I like it. That's a, I got my um, stereo stolen out of my pickup truck when I first moved to Austin. It was a real welcome to the city. And uh, so I, di- I didn't have any money. I couldn't buy like a new CD player for my truck. So I had a little Olympus digital or not digital it was a tape mini tape like Uh mini cassette tape recorder and i would just sing little melodies into that and whatever came to my head little hums or beats or sometimes lyrics little goofy things and then i would set it on the seat next to me and let it play and so that kind of inspired me to build it up because at first it was only 30 seconds or so i had to keep rewinding it but at some point, it got kind of long, maybe 10 minutes worth, where I could just drive along and listen to that. I'm like, this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Entertaining yourself. Yeah, just completely silly, no reason to do it, but it made me laugh. And if someone got in my car, like, you want to listen to some music? <laughs> 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 and then someone stole it. Someone Are you just st- kidding? Yeah, so I was always so fascinated with them Someone has all that gold on that tape, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For years, I would hear songs and hope to be able to threaten them with some sort of class action lawsuit. <laughs> I know where that came from. <laughs> but then I had no proof. But I I just thought it was... It sounds like performance art. You have it play and, hey, you want to hear some music? And just the art is just their reaction to yeah. hearing your voice recordings. <laughs> and then I know every word. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Right? <laughs> You're not getting out of the car until you tell me this is good. This is before Uber, too. So you can yeah. be driving someone around. Hey, you like this? <laughs> Music is so different to me. It's such a, I, like, I have a guitar. I'll play them. I ju- and I like, I can recognize to me when things sound pleasant. Anyone listening would be like, that's, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Those notes don't go together. That's not, it's not a good sound. So whatever is happening, and yet when I listen to music, I feel like I can be relatively, you know, objectively able to say, like, here's why I don't like this. And yeah. maybe a music snob would go, oh, yeah, I'm the same. And like, okay, my snobby tastes are <laughs> valued. Taste yeah. <laughs> They're validated. But me playing, it's dreadful because I don't the and then I start thinking about like all these mythical things about music like the circle of fifths or the resolution, how our ears are <clears throat> wired up to hear certain things, the mm-hmm. frequencies, the overtones, how it all goes together is so foreign to me. And yet some people it's like being born able to speak Chinese, but you were born in Milwaukee or something. That's how foreign <laughs> it seems to me. It just makes no sense. Yeah. But some people were born just able to hear a note and then go over and like plunk Perfect it out pitch. on a... Yeah. yeah. What is that? 
Yeah, I don't know. That's that's different. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think very few people have actually are born with that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you work at it? If you're saying you don't have it. Oh, I, I mean, if you were to play a note just in space for me, I, I, I maybe could get close. Mm-hmm. I think I can hear A in my head just because that's like the tuning sound. That's A. And then. What's this? That would be probably a, a, a G then, if you're going down one. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. you can, you can, I can kind of find it in my head if I can hear, or if I have a starting note. Yeah. And I can like have the scale go in my head and be like, okay, now I know what the third is in my head. And there That's so cool. But I mean, I took a class called Oral Skills in in college, and that would, and part of it was by the end, he'd give you like the starting note and then play a chord and you have to be able to say what kind of chord it is, what inversion it's in and mm-hmm. and all that. And then you'd have to be able to sight sing. Like here's sheet music, here's your first pitch. Now sight sing this Whoa. scale. And and that was actually some of the the most fun music classes I took because the um the other uh theory stuff was it was harder for me. I think I'm much more uh like most guitar players, play by ear. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I can read but it's you know, I I rarely sit there and like, I'm going to put a piece of music up and just play along <laughs> to it. It's all by ear for me. Do you play piano as well? Uh, I mean, I can get by. I, I wouldn't say I play piano. Like, I would never do it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but there's I mean, there's such a common thing that they just kind of go together. Like, well, I, I play guitar, so yeah, naturally I can kind of figure it out on piano. And th- to me, that is, again, like, yeah, I speak Chinese, so of course I can speak a little Swahili as well. You're yeah. Like, what? <laughs> there's just so, to me, I don't understand it, and I'm just fascinated by it i think it's such a a unique gift and 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 a weird one that not every human has it every human has the ability to tap their head or bob their head and tap their foot and kind of go yeah so we recognize some (laughs) level of rhythm of something but to know kind of the ingredients in the way that a physicist knows every little like how these sound waves are going into this microphone and traveling through etc etc it's just baffling to me were you like that as a kid like you know you studied music How'd you get into it? Did, were your parents like you should you should pursue this? Well, nobody in my family was musical, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe nobody in my immediate family was anyway. Um, I think on my mom's side had some people, um, but uh, I was just a music lover. And my my parents were my dad always had records playing and stuff. And so I think when I was ten years old, fifth grade, my buddy and I were like, we're gonna start a band. <laughs> I'm gonna learn how to play guitar. You're gonna play the drums. Let's do this. Nice. And so we started a band when we were like in fifth grade. <laughs> and we actually played together all the way through college off, off and really? on stuff. Yeah. Are you guys still friends? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And no interest now in like reforming the group? Well, we live in different cities oh, and stuff, yeah. but no. That's so cool though. That it again, James, who I was just recently talking with, was like, Oh, my you know, my parents gave me this recorder and I just go around and record sounds and so I've always been doing that. And I, I think Every kid can point to a thing like, oh, I did this. But then you really zoom out and you're like, yeah, but you also played all these different sports and games and mm-hmm. you were really into video games and you were into this hobby. We are into tons of them. But not every kid in fifth grade gets their friend and genuinely follows through. <laughs> did you guys write your own songs and things like yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, so I, I was always, uh, I would draw all the time. Every, like You couldn't stop me from drawing. And then as soon as I got a guitar you couldn't get out of my hands like mm-hmm. my parents never had to be like go practice your instrument we we yeah. bought you that guitar go play it <laughs> it's like i would just play all night and and i was never that interested in learning other songs <laughs> it was or i would learn like the chorus of some nirvana song uh-huh. and i play it and like oh, okay i'll learn that song and then my parents like, can you play a whole song and i would mm-hmm. just learn like little bits of all these different songs but w- the only thing i wanted to do was sit down and write songs so as soon as I got the guitar and I could learn a few chords, I was like, okay, I got this. I'm going to start writing <laughs> stupid songs, you know? How long did it take you to say, I got this? Like, you just understood, here's how chords go, these are the notes. Were you starting to read music at all at that point? No, no. Just kind of hearing it just and Just hearing knowing. it and playing it. And and my teacher actually really taught me to learn by ear, too. So, uh-huh. like, I would try to, like, listen to something on the radio and figure it out. Like, oh, I can play most. It was grunge music at the time. You know, yeah. It was very kind of like power chords everywhere. It's like, as soon as you learn a power chord, man, you can write anything. <laughs> I can learn that Nirvana song, that Pearl Jam, or, you know. Yeah. That, but to me, that would, there were so many people I'm sure listening that would be like, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you could just instantly, because people will, 
you know, at any age. I remember buying a car from a guy who was 47 and he was pretty proud to tell me like, I'm getting pretty good at guitar and I'm going to play my first solo show. I've only been playing for two years and I'm, you know, I feel comfortable enough to play in public at like an open mic. And I was like, good for you, man. That's great. And I'm sure that guy spent the first 45 years of his life, or you know, at least when he was able to see a fifth grade band, <laughs> to going, how great would that be? I you what could do that. Yeah, because <laughs> it's that efficiency thing we were talking about of oh, people yeah. will spend hours and hours and hours listening, learning the tabs. Oh, no, it goes like this. For someone to just have a, a warp button that they can basically <laughs> just go, got it, I heard it once, and here we go, I figured it out. Well, it wasn't that easy, but you know, but it, you, I worked at it. Sure. But you know, when you're 10 years old, it's not myself going on in your head anyway, right? <laughs> you're just you can kind of like laser focus on this is what I'm doing, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there are studies on why you know we're sponges when we're really young because everything's so new to us. But yeah, yeah, you definitely have an advantage if you're starting an instrument as young as you possibly can. So yeah, I'm trying fun. to get my kids into it. I don't want to like push it. I never want them to be like you have to play an instrument. Yeah, but I think it was good for me, and I think it's a good skill to have. So I mean, I hope hopefully they'll be into it no. i hope so yeah because it, it does seem so genetic you know it's it's weird to hear that your parents did a grandparent or anyone like that play i think like a, a great uncle on my mom's side or something somewhere back there there was a songwriter i think oh okay um and cool. yeah so it, it's there somewhere but yeah nowhere in my but my dad was a music lover and, and had a big record collection and always had music playing and stuff he must have been so psyched yeah yeah no he that's was. cool and i'm really lucky too that my parents were weren't ever like, okay, so I know you're, you're having a lot of fun doing this, but now you need to get a job. Yeah. They're kind of just let me do my thing. And like, when they were supportive, when you were like, I think I'm going to try to like start a band and make, make so that a go. We, we booked our first tour ourselves and it was terrible. You know, like we didn't have a booking agent, but uh, the lonely wild, mm -hmm. but we we're like, you know what? We, let's just do this. We're just go out for a month this summer and, and, <laughs> and, and travel across America. And that's actually when we met Dylan. <laughs> so you would, you put out an EP or something? An EP. And we played a lot locally and regionally, kind of like up to San Francisco and stuff. Uh -huh. But we're like, you know what? No one's handing us anything. Let's just go do it. Yeah. So we, we booked this tour and most of it was terrible. You know, playing dive bars and like the Florida pizza restaurant <laughs> or something <laughs> in Nashville or something. Yeah. But um, my parents are super dorks and they like, followed us that's They're so like, great we're just gonna take a little road trip this summer it's like mom no you can't <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> so they kind of shadowed us for half of it i'm like oh my god I, that's so adorable <laughs> that's fantastic where do they live where are you from northern california so sonoma oh nice wine area yeah, yeah. are they wine enthusiasts my dad's in the wine business yeah oh really yeah so, so you've like had wine around your whole life pretty much cool yeah. so that seems like a cultured kind of thing and i would on one hand, music can be like, uh, well, we're sure proud of him. He's you know, first chair in this or whatever. That kind of music you think of with classical like, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be like, oh, you know, going to like a buyer's meeting with a, and I don't even know how the wine business works that much, but you entertain some some guests of a higher profile. And then, yeah, I, you right. know, to be like, our son's going to be in a rock band. <laughs> Must have felt so cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess so. I mean, they they were very supportive all along, so. That's Even, you great. know, working restaurants for 10 plus years, you know, mm -hmm. keeping the day job and stuff. I'm like, well, they never were yeah. like, well, so what are you going to do for reals now? Yeah. I never had that talk. So that was good. Yeah. When people say they support you, I don't <clears> think <throat> that has been stated enough publicly. You know, people get you they only really ever do interviews with people who are famous or have, you know, succeeded. So they say, you can do anything. They yeah. say all these cliche things where you're like, well, it's not quite that simple. There, sure. There's a middle class of it. There are people that go up and down. There are people that didn't break out till they were whatever age. Yeah. But the one constant I think that is in that is the people that support, support you no matter what. Mm -hmm. There's the people that support you right away or when things are going well, but definitely people that you thought support you go, so what are you thinking of doing next? Yeah, what's plan B? <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, what? I thought you had my back on this. Yeah. <laughs> you told me I was great. <laughs> How did you meet everybody? You know, you, your friend that you played in fifth grade with, you guys played together through college? So, yeah, I came, I came to L.A. for college, um, and then he ended up going to school in Irvine. And you came for music? I came for, I knew I wanted to be in California. Mm -hmm. um, initially, I started studying film. That was my other thing. And then mm -hmm. I switched out and tried to get into recording arts, but that's, which is, you know, like audio recording stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but that school was impacted and they wouldn't 
wouldn't let me in. So I started studying English and classical guitar, which in hindsight was great because I think it helped me be a better writer and better musician for sure. Oh, man. So you went from I can pick up power chords to then like I want to play classical gas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I played so I played, you know, throughout high school and stuff and did a little jazz. I played in the jazz band and stuff. Hell yeah. Um, was never very great at it and then did classical guitar, which was really like learning a new instrument. It was crazy. And I'm left-handed, but I play right-handed. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners out there who aren't familiar, your left hand's doing all the work on the fretboard. Yeah. So in a way, when you're first starting, it's kind of like having a leg up because my developed hand was doing all the hard work. And I was just kind of strumming chords with my right hand. Mm-hmm. But then when you get classical guitar... You're doing a lot of stuff with your right hand, finger picking. Oh, it's yeah. It's all very tone oriented, every pluck of every string. So that was a big learning curve for me. And, and I initially, I was a double major. And then when I realized that I was going to have to perform like an hour plus of classical guitar music solo <laughs> by myself. Really? And they're like, I was like, oh, I think I might just change this to a minor. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would have had to go Whoa. another year. I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And in the. Like the, I think I had two uh, recitals while I was in college, and I had never been more nervous. Like my hands were just <laughs> shaking; I could not even play. It was like there was a lot of tremolo on that. <laughs> <laughs> and do you play like a nylon string? Yeah, or, and really? so it's just very naked compared yeah. to you know coming from electric guitar. Was how I always performed out live, and that's you can throw some distortion on it. And it sounds like anything. You know, you can mm-hmm. play. You can fuck up a lot, and it sounds just fine. <laughs> or for some reverb, you know. Did it change your outlook? Not to say, like, in a snobby way, but when you hear... So there's, like, that movie Whiplash, and they're playing drums, mm. and they go to the jazz clubs. And then I think somewhere there's a thing, like, if you can't be a musician, there's a bumper sticker or something that's on a gear load-in somewhere. Maybe it's on one of the venues in the green room. It says, if you can't be a musician, join a rock band. Just this <laughs> idea that, like, anyone can kind of thrash around and figure it out. <clears throat> when you're... Now, all of a sudden, you're you've loaded up some software that makes you pretty sophisticated as a musician. Yeah. And then you're like listening to bands. Are you still impressed when they play very simple things that you're like, well, anyone could play that, but it's just the way they're doing it. Or oh, like, yeah. So that, it, oh, yeah, I think it, it's not, not always what you're playing, but how you're playing it for mm-hmm. sure. And, and especially if it's a song and someone just has, you know, you're playing three chords, but you have, you're touching my soul with your lyrics or yeah, something yeah. or your voice. If you're just a great singer, then yeah, I don't think, I mean, I guess I'm a music snob, but not in that <laughs> regard. It doesn't have to be complicated to be good in my it's opinion. It's just the sound. Yeah. I always feel there. Bill Hicks used to get real, real into the idea of you've got to play from the heart. I feel like mm-hmm. that's in everything, sure. comedy, whatever you're doing, yeah. you can just feel if someone's doing something to take advantage of a quick fad or something. Or you can tell when yeah. they're like, this matters. This is like the old, country thing three chords in the truth <laughs> exactly <laughs> and a bottle of whiskey and just a whiskey <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah it's true it doesn't i think it gives you when you have that information that that software as you said it, it gives you a kind of more tools in your toolkit in i i think of it as more ways it's like when you have a bigger vocabulary you can express yourself more specifically mm-hmm. and so i think it's the same way musically um but sometimes all you need is three chords, you know? Mm-hmm. You just got to know what, what's needed. Oh, Ooh, that's my stomach. Sorry. It's arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like almost perfectly tying up the end of your thought. Yeah. It, um, but I have some rock and roll friends who are in this other school of thought where like, I don't want to learn theory because I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I just want to play from the heart. And if I know too much, I'll... Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be thinking too much. And I think that's kind of a cop-out in my opinion. <laughs> I could see it both ways where there were a lot of people that would come to open mic all the time, could never do comedy because they thought spent too much time thinking about how they would do it or what they would do. Mm. Sure, there are musicians the same way. Maybe they ended up writing blogs about music, always thinking like, when I eventually start my band. Yeah. I think the guy from the Magnetic Zeros was kind of that way, where he was a real snobby music critic and then started a band. Oh, okay. And people were like, all right, asshole, what, are you, what can you do? <laughs> But, well, he oh, did I'm a Robot first, right? I, I have no idea. Yeah, he was like in that electro band. Oh, really? Yeah. So he had, he definitely, I think he had, he's had some great songs, I'll, I'll say, but he, he definitely he was more chasing the fad, in my opinion, <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs> I, I just, am curious, I think about that sometimes, of just jumping in there and making a bunch of mistakes. And the worst thing that could happen is you get really successful when you're just figuring out what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And some maybe some bands have done that where they go, ah, 
damn it, we, we our second album was so great, but everyone only wanted. To, I'm sure a lot of one hit wonders have that story. Oh, yeah. Damn it, like this song ended up defining our sound. But there's, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, <clears throat> maybe like the Whiskey a Go Go or places like that. That band Marcy Playground. Oh yeah. Well, every now and again they on the and I I the only song I know is I Sex and Candy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just they've been that's twenty five <clears throat> years I think since that song, and they're still doing it. They're still playing smallerish venues. Yeah, it's probably the only thing that made them money. But I wonder if they have this devout fan base that feels that way of like they got really successful because of that song, but since then they've grown into this amazing band that we all love. And so they're in on this little secret. Like, yeah. Knowing yeah, that, yeah. Like that song keeps people out of the venue <laughs> just as much as it brings them in. <laughs> so I, the next time I see them, I'm going to go watch. Cause I'm curious if they just muddle through a bunch of crap and then go, here's what y'all came for. Yeah. And yeah. do it. <laughs> or if they get it out of the way to begin with and then go, all right, here's, oh, here, who here's the rest of our show. Yeah. Now what was, the, who does the, uh, the final countdown? It's a I, I've heard that they open maybe even halfway and close their show with it. <laughs> like, we know why you're all here. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. One more time. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky enough. You to almost feel like a cover band of yourself at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I just picture the saddest thing is uh, like a county fair. No one's really mm-hmm. there. It's midday. There's a semi-trailer that's unhitched and parked, and it's got some some flare hanging off the front of it to make it look like a stage. Maybe it's ribbons or American flag triangles or something, bales of hay. And then on it is Casey a band. Casey the Sunshine Band. Yeah, yeah just a, but they're doing War. leg kicks and they're yeah. swinging the mic and no one's there. There's one kid with, oh, buddy. There's just kids with cotton candy. And that this is where you just went, you never want to be. I know. So is it worse to have, have made it big and then fall from grace and have to do the, the county fair circuit or yeah. just to kind of always be struggling and never really make it? I think, do you, I mean, <laughs> One's do you, more romantic than the other. Maybe. Yeah. And it's, a lot of it depends, I think, on how you're wired up. You end up yeah. in a place where you think like, I think most people end up in a place where they go, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't think I'd end up here. Yeah. Whether that's people that are, you hear a lot of people that are unbelievably successful say that. I'm just some kid. I never thought I'd be mm-hmm. the face of a franchise in sports. Or you talk with people in your, your peer group that go, man, I really thought we'd be here at this point. I thought yeah. we'd be doing th- It's just, so how are you wired up to like walk away from it or stick with it? Or how, in, how big is your ego? Yeah. yeah. Or if you go, could you have sold out? And do you look at it that way? Where you yeah. go, oh, that band signed a deal. And then their record label asked them to do a cover. <clears throat> then they did it. I wouldn't have done that. So yeah. now they're famous for that stupid cover. They hate it, but they get hired by like Indian casinos to make a ton of money. They go play that song in the beginning and in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, I wouldn't do that. So then you you are maybe like the result of all those little micro decisions you make. But yeah. then there's that intangible thing. Why do people like a song? Why does it take off? Yeah. Do you guys have one song or... or Something like that that stands out more than the others. <laughs> we never had a hit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when you're playing live, something. Yeah, just... yeah. It was like the one we had, our closer was always buried in the murder, and that was usually what people were waiting for to shout along with us. Um, yeah, and it was always the closer. We tried to like put it elsewhere in the set, and it's like, it kind of just, after that, everything else was just kind of uh, <laughs> pale in comparison. So. Mm. so, yeah, I guess that's the equivalent, that sort of thing of now you like magnify that by a billion times yeah and it's being heard everywhere and you're like wait 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 we, we have a whole congruent yeah set. i mean i gotta think on one hand you you just have to be grateful that people are just so excited about this thing you made that not that you necessarily owe it to them your mm-hmm. fans or something but that's why they're there right i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking of two things one this green day documentary i saw long ago where the main guy's ex-girlfriend, like high school girlfriend, you know, was like, oh, you know, he wrote all these songs when he was a teenager. And so the lyrics are kind of dumb. But then once they took off, there was a definite feeling of how do we do that again? Yeah. Like, how do we write another hit? Now we're like 30-year-old dudes and we have to, we're, we're singing to 12-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. How, how do we capture that again? How do we make a hit? Yeah. Michael Jackson, um, one of the documentaries I saw about him was like he would wake up his producer at like three or four in the morning. Like, let's get in the studio. And he'd be like, can you just wait until morning? And he would go, if I don't take advantage of this right now, God's going to give this idea to Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. I just think there is like this weird, tangible, and yet 
ethereal. totally ethereal thing yeah. that does exist where you're like, I'm up, I'm up, I hear it. I, I gotta I, do it, I, I gotta yeah, do I, it. Yeah. yeah, or it's gone. Mm-hmm. And then if you capture it right, maybe maybe you have to like do the process completely right and then the the crowds will come. People will hear it. <laughs> They're like, we also got this message. We didn't know what to do with it. You have manufactured it properly. <laughs> yeah, the formula for a hit. If we could crack that, we'd be doing just fine. Yeah, because yeah. why you hear... The amount of music there is, it's and it's immense. And I'll like try to play songs on this show that have there's kind of maybe a, a threshold. I'm not that rigid about it as far as like YouTube streams or something like that. But I do find it fascinating when I find something that I think is great and it has a thousand views or something, and I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. What is this thing? How do you and in music too? I I would imagine it's more than anything else the hardest not to get a little bitter. If you see, like, Imagine Dragons, and yes, I will openly shit on them. I think it's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> but you see something like that that just resonates with you. It just takes off and is great. You just kind of, like, nod your head and go, okay, that's what the world we live in. Or 21 Pilots or whatever yeah. they're called. I don't know. I, I haven't turned on K-Rock in a long time. But, yeah, when you put it on, it's, like, it's either stuff from our era. It's like, here's Red Hot Chili Peppers again yeah. for the 100th time today. Or, yeah. or, you know, the Nirvana song again. Or it's... 21 pilots or is that what they're called mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh. <laughs> what happened and why does that resonate and maybe you have to be a 13 year old to explain why that resonates but i know yeah. and i don't necessarily i am sure there will always be at my core certain snobbiness about things like that you can't be negative and go ah, i'm just negative like well there's a snobby element attached to that because everyone likes it but you don't you can't fully explain it, but I'll if I hear one of those songs and I will try to really put myself in the shoes or try like who is this for? Yeah, who really likes this? And then I'll envision a whole childhood, a whole life that I'm living, <laughs> and then I'll be like, it's okay, it's a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you have to. Yeah, because what is this thing that in here? But there's something so disingenuous too. I think about like we're talking about writing from the, the heart, and you just gotta be true to yourself and stuff. That music is manufactured. It, it appears to be manufactured. Yeah. Where it's like guys, maybe they're in their 20s or 30s, but they're singing to kids. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Kids need music too, but it just sounds so not honest and not genuine and, and kind of like uh, market tested, you yeah. know? <laughs> I think the whole Clear Channel formula has a lot of that. Like they do source it out to like almost like a survey group mm-hmm. and find out what you know is this working for you yeah, yeah. and I'm, what do you wish this hook would do <laughs> differently <laughs> my friend used to refer to he's a musician would refer to it as there's a pain in my brain that's driving me insane <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of lyric writing so popular yeah well maybe 12 year old did write it actually <laughs> <laughs> that's about where i was in fifth grade i think no mm-hmm. <laughs> when you get because you know you can every, i think every artist does this where they if you start thinking about that too much and then you just kind of like shake your head and go, well, who cares? That has nothing to do with me. I'm just going to yeah. do what I like. But it's hard to not, it, it's a balance beam of sorts. And I guess you control yeah. how wide that is where you're like, I'm, I can fall in those waters and get consumed by, but why? Yeah. But overall you just move on and like, well, it, it doesn't affect me. Sure. But can't, does it sometimes make you question? Cause I'll do this. Like what world do I live in? Yeah. You know, what is what is Why the, is this? And, and especially if you're trying to make it as an artist or a musician or something and you're like this is what's popular. These are the this is what's going to make you money. Yeah. Like what why why am I doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, actually for, for me, right, being able to to go and do something like composing for television or f- for film and actually make a living doing that, it was this really kind of weird liberating thing where where on my off time I'm like, wow, now I can write music just for me and mm-hmm. not because even when you're you know you're playing in a band and we weren't wildly success, successful or anything but you're still thinking like i want a song that's going to get on the radio like i want a song you want to hit everybody yeah. wants to hit and so and when you start thinking that way i think it can kind of get toxic to the creative process or the genuine yeah you know element of your music so it was kind of <clears throat> liberating to not have to like worry about an audience or a fan base so much and be like well now i can just write weird music and mm-hmm. people like it cool and yeah and if there's enough demand for it maybe i'll put a band together and go play it out live <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the lonely well will get back i think that's the that's most right. uh certainly like as far as mental health goes effective and healthy way to approach it the, and i always like try to keep that in mind that 
there's no guarantees and there's certainly no one demanding that you do it. Everyone's yeah. entered into these things that are essentially <clears throat> hobbies and kind of after a certain amount of time or sweat or effort put in feeling not necessarily entitled, but that, okay, this, this should be, I know what's definitively good or bad. I think I'm doing good <laughs> and it's not being recognized. Uh, excuse me. I'd yeah. like, who's, who's officiating this game? <laughs> you just feel like I shouldn't have to go wait tables or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. This is not fair. That person gets to go sell out an arena and I will go through categorically and tell you what's bad about that. <laughs> and then, so you can definitely There's buy no justice. It. There's no justice. Yeah. And then you just get left with, okay, well it, maybe you get reverted back to it being kind of a hobby. Hopefully it's still enjoyable. Yeah. And then, it's still really rough to to see other people like having it go doing okay, it, yeah. doing it, yeah. Because yeah. when it does, and I, but the weird thing is, I have a couple friends in bands that each had maybe they'll point to it. Well, this song was doing well. They'll point to like a good tour they had or a good couple of years because of this song really made this record do well. Mm-hmm. But I, when I go watch them live, that's never the song that sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. And really, almost even in a way like as especially as years go by the crowd doesn't almost doesn't remember it as much hmm. you know there'll be a period where the first two notes happen you hear the crowd like yeah, yeah oh, it's that song and then as time goes on and maybe those people kind of filter out of the audience and the group that's that loves um <laughs> i just forgot marcy playground <laughs> as a band <laughs> they don't care about that one song and it's almost inexplicable and genuinely like when i think of those two bands i'm thinking of the songs that jumped out aren't in any way more unique or definitively better than the other ones. It was some A&R guys like this is the one. Yeah, there's just <laughs> such a weird swell that happens. You can't can't really describe it. And that goes back to me the to the mystical part of like what music is. Where do the ideas come from? Why does it resonate with us? Why when you're strumming it with your kids and you play just some certain note structure or thing do you go, "Ooh, a little melody just popped in my head." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, that probably seems like a strange place to uh, conclude the chat or, or move on, but we we ended up talking for probably 15 more minutes and uh, getting into some stuff about uh, like Michael Jackson and separating art from artists and things like that, and also answering that question, where do things come from, or at least trying to answer it. I don't think it can be, but talking about that inspiration and things like that. So apologies that it's... Uh, a kind of a, an abrupt end there and you don't get to hear us exchange pleasantries and hey thanks for coming over man and things like that um but you can hear that if you listen to the rest of the chat on the patreon and since it's shorter i'll make it um where all of the tiers can listen to it because i appreciate those of you who do support the show that way and uh, if you've thought about it now's a good time to to check it out and apologies let me know too if that was too like oh man i was just getting into that chat uh, usually I have some more um, kind of conclusive endpoints for each segment of the of the conversation, but this one was just going to be a little too long, and I think an hour and a half or whatever it ended up being total was just maybe a little too long for an episode. And let me know if I'm wrong there. If you're like, you know, I could listen. I like podcasts that are eight hours long. Uh, I feel like an hour is right around where I like this one to be. So you can find the rest of that chat in the Patreon. Thanks again to Andrew Carroll. Just a lovely, lovely guy. And thanks to those of you who do support the show for a couple bucks a month, like 50 cents a week. It makes a huge difference with beer and uh, hosting and music and everything else that goes into making this show. It's uh, comprised without ads, which I prefer to do. And uh, that's because people help out. So if you'd like to be one of those people, that's a great way to do it. You can also rate or subscribe to the show. That helps with algorithm algorithm things and you can also just tell someone even just telling one person maybe you're at a holiday party or a get-together you're standing around you have nothing to talk about <laughs> you can say hey do you like podcasts and uh and maybe mention this one if you like it who knows anyway thanks to those of you who do support the show and uh especially on patreon uh some of the patreon the longest standing people who've contributed the most over the run of the show i recently brewed some homebrew and sent them some. So if you want little treats like that every so often in your life, and they came in bottles that were used uh, for this show. I don't know if that's of any importance or relevance to you, but maybe you want to drink some beer out of a bottle that was used uh, to house some of the beer 
that uh, was shared on this show. I don't know. But those are the kind of things I try to do to let people know I really appreciate it. And I have no idea how the beer tastes. So if you had it, let me know. I think this one should have turned out okay. We, you know, we've followed a pretty standard or a pretty uh, strident kind of brewing process. But who knows? Maybe we screwed, screwed it up and poisoned you. Oh, God. I hope we did not poison you. Let me know if you got the beer and you had it and you did not die. That'd be wonderful. Uh, but if you want something like that, beer that is probably not poison, I would say 99.9% certainty uh, that it's not going to harm you in any way. Oh, what a terrible thought. I better try some of this beer and make sure that I live, and then I'll let you know. Hey, the beer is good. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, but anyway, if you want something like that, subscribe to the Patreon. And uh, if you're one of the longest uh, tenured Patreon people, I'll try to give you special stuff over the course of this show. Anyway, I'm rambling too much. Uh, once again, to Dan and his wife, Ashley, in Australia, we miss you. Sending good thoughts your way. Hope everything's going well. Hope to get some good news. And to the rest of you, be good to each other. Give people hugs. You know, try to spread some positivity this time of year. And if you see someone uh, who could maybe use uh, a hand, maybe reach out to them. Okay. Um, well, it wouldn't. It would seem crazy to have all this talk about this band during the course of these episodes and not play them. So I thought uh, I'd play some Beach House. This is a song that um, when my life mate and I were sort of dating, I remember hearing it on the radio. I forget how, if I sent her a message or said, like, do you know this song? And then she had to look it up and she was like, oh, it's, it's that. It's Beach House. And it's this song called The Hours. Something about it that uh, makes me think that was the first time I really recognized them and was, was aware of them. And sort of like everyone, if you like them, just kind of instantly become a fan. It's a, just a pleasant, mellow sound. They're a little, I feel like they're a little bit too big. Otherwise, I would have played them all the time on this show. I try to play bands that are um, in need of a little more attention. Maybe Beach House is one of those, but I feel like their videos get millions of views and they're doing just fine. Anyway, if you haven't heard of them, I think you might like it. I feel like they fit the aesthetic of this show. Again, this is called The Hours. It's my beach house. Hope you like it. Happy holidays. Thanks for stopping by the Space Game.